Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Syverson. I'm a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest is Alex Kaplan. He's the co-founding executive director and chief vision officer, I love that, of of Substance, which is an innovative nonprofit that makes premium entertaining short films to help us all overcome the shame, blame, and stigma we experience in our struggles. Having overcome his own challenges with substances, Alex has been through the ringer, but he has turned his life around and is now helping other struggling people to find connection, a sense of belonging, and hope. Welcome to Safe Home, Alex. So glad you're Did here. Did you write that? Yeah, but that yeah, was so stuff. great. <laughs> oh my god. I added a little, I added a little Beth touch to it. I love it. Thank you so much. What a cool intro. Hi, everybody. (laughs) All right. Yeah, great to have you. So I'm excited for you to share all about your creative projects. I love them and I want everyone to know about them. But first, why don't you just tell your story? How, what qualifies you to make films about addiction and substances and shame and struggle? Uh, Thanks, Beth. By the way, Safe Home is pretty special. It's really amazing the work that you're doing and the way that you're sharing the most vulnerable part of you and your life and your family with everyone else, because that's what helps us most is just making sure that others don't feel alone in their struggles. So thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. But that's why I do what I do. And, uh, my, my story as quickly as possible is, um, I was raised very lucky and very wealthy in Philadelphia. And when I was 23, my father passed away. And on the same day that I gave his eulogy, we found out we were tens of millions of dollars in debt. And so all (laughs) all in one day, I lost everything that ever made me feel safe. And um, I was a very lucky kid. I didn't have to work, so I had no work ethic. I got out of everything as the class clown actor. I am an actor. Um, so, you know, uh, not, I didn't pay attention in academia and school. I got out of everything and it was super fun. Uh, but, the uh, chickens came home <laughs> to roost and, you know, oh. I, I recognize that I have a lot of shame around my trauma. I, I I'm, I'm embarrassed of my trauma because who am I to be traumatized? I'm like a rich kid who lost his money. Like, like that's, that's embarrassing shame or embarrassing trauma. And so I have a lot of shame around that. I'm talking to a lot of people about the different shame we have around our traumas, because whether you have like mm-hmm. privileged trauma, which is what I call it to justify it, quote unquote, or if you, mm-hmm. or if you were abused, like these are things that have happened to us. They're things that were put on us. Why do we feel shame around them? They're not something we did. And, and so uh, yeah. I like to talk about that with people. But what I really recognized for me is that oh, years later, like now I'm 36 and that was, I was 23. Now I recognize that really, whether you win the lottery and make a ton of money in one day, or you have it all taken away in one day, it's not necessarily that mm-hmm. the money didn't matter. It's not if you lose your job or you lose a loved one or you have a breakup or a divorce. It's these are elements 
of our personas in our lives that we hold so dear as part of our identity. And so they, they define in a, in a way, the way we relate to the world around us. And so by losing all of that money, like I, I didn't belong to the community I belonged to. I didn't know how to communicate with people I knew. And, and so that is what was so traumatizing. And, and that I think is universally relatable. So that's what happened to me. And I went to numb and I dove in, dove into a deep bottle of booze and crawled under a huge mountain of cocaine. And for four years I disappeared. And then I luckily the right person said the right thing when I was at my very worst. And he asked me, why are you doing this? And after four years of doing some really crazy shit and getting to a point of doing two eight balls a day of cocaine per day for five days straight with no sleep with a bottle or two of vodka or gin to balance it out each day. Uh, like that's me at my worst. Oof. Zach, my best friend called and he always tried to get me out to like go to a movie or something. And I came up with some BS excuse and he was finally just like, Alex, why are you doing this? And as mm. it just, it planted the seed, it penetrated and it got me to realize or have that idea that maybe, maybe there was another choice I could make. You know, and that was mm. never a thought to me. It was just how it is. I'm just trapped and I'm just stuck. Uh, so uh -huh. that just planted the seed. And eventually I moved home to Philly from New York and I sought help for myself. And I tried a couple of the traditional methods and they didn't really take for me. And I, I like to say that it's not because there's anything broken in any modality or system. It's just for me, it's I think it's really about the people you find. It's about the community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, everything kind of has to line up to make it fit for you. You know, a lot of people get help through AA. It has not helped my son, but you know, yay for those people it helps. And everyone. Exactly. Needs to I have so many great friends right. who've done really well in AA and I wish I had found the rooms that they found right off the bat. But like, mm -hmm. and I have, I got sober in a group that, um, that other people didn't stay in that didn't work for them, you know, and that's, that's okay because it's not about what you do. It's about just trying. Right. And so, so yeah. Mm -hmm. What was the group that ended so up working I, for you? Yeah. You I, I go to a private group that is, um, off the beaten track where not public and uh, it's run by a doctor who started out as a uh, internist and um, and moved into addiction and treats addiction the same way he treats any internal disease like heart disease or lung disease or kidney wow. disease um, and and so but but the thing is when I, I finally found Jim my doctor um, we had the three hour consultation that I'll never forget from almost nine years ago. And the three, it, it was fun. That's why it was three hours. I had a great time. He, he was just so, I'd go to these other places where people told me what was wrong with me. And I finally went to this, this other place where somebody made me feel seen and made me feel accepted and like I wasn't a piece of shit. And so what happened in that room that day, Jim was like, the first thing he said was Alex, Life is a patchwork quilt. And right now, the only patch you have is addiction. 
Our job is not to get rid of that patch. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be part of you and your quilt of life. Our job Mm -hmm. is to add patches to that quilt of family, relationships, friends, marriage, kids, Mm -hmm. career, hobbies, habits, and and build a life Mm -hmm. worth living. And over time, that patch Mm -hmm. of addiction will get relatively smaller and will fill this this Mm -hmm. this quilt of your life for that in a way that you enjoy and makes you happy. So I'm like, cool, I'm in. And so it's amazing. That's amazing. So, that sounds right? great. That sounds great. So the second thing he yeah. said was, um, so Alex, the first thing we do in this room is you look in the mirror and you look through society's eyes and you see a cokehead, a drunk, a fuck up, a loser, somebody with uh, no value, no potential and no hope. The first thing we do in this room is we get you to take off those goggles and look through your own eyes with infinite compassion and see somebody with infinite Mm. possibility, infinite value and infinite hope. And so I'm like, dude, you got me. I'm in. He's like, cool. So that that is so unusual and not what normally people hand to people that are addicted. It's, it's not usually like that at all. And when you mentioned that, it was a doctor and internist that helped you. I thought, you know, if you have heart disease, you don't go into those rooms with shame. Why do we saddle addicted people with the shame, that cultural shame of like some moral failure or something, you know, we're supposed to be over that now. It's supposed to be a medical thing, you know, disease modality, but it's still a lot of shame that the society hands to people that are struggling. Yeah, but uh, we were, so I was in my group last night. I moved to LA from Philly uh, three weeks before COVID to really like get of substance launched. And, you know, that was weird, but lucky for me, (laughs) you know, the silver lining of it, I said goodbye to my group of eight years and I moved to LA. COVID hits, they go virtual. I still get to go to my group, which is... The weirdest Yay! little gift. Oh, so that. I went to my group last night uh, and nice we were talking Yay. about this and we were talking about language and like conversation just shifted to something really cool. We, we talk so much about language and we talk so much about the word addict and the words addiction and, and so many other things. And we get into the, the topic of this idea that our society like labels us and labels our identity by trauma. Right. Like if you we label somebody as an addict, we label somebody. So your identity, your identity is your trauma instead of using your trauma as a motivation or using it as as just a catalyst for change. Instead, we use it as identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just I wanted to mention the third thing that he says in this um, in this Mm -hmm. in this consultation is, okay, Alex, well, the work that we do in this room is. We're not here to get you to get and stay sober. Our work in this room, I couldn't even tell you what sobriety is. Is it abstinence? Because then that's abstinence. Sobriety is really that idea of peace and serenity, right? It's not about not drinking. It's about experiencing peace and serenity. And so he's like, look, what we do in this room is we work to consistently improve the quality of our lives. That's what we do in this room. Right. Okay. And so the biggest lesson we focus on okay. is not it's not about learning how not to fall. It's about learning to pick yourself up better and better each time. Which is the oh, lesson nice. of life. That's that's what we do. 
Thank you. So we change our relationship with struggle and failure because failure and the fear of failure either keeps us from trying or it keeps us Mm self-sabotaging. But if we recognize that failure, falling, struggle is an inherent precursor to growth, then and we can just like Mm -hmm. recognize it as maybe our best friend, then that's going to help us Mm -hmm. through just like, you know, the harder times, the more tricky times. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you'll know like, yeah, I know how to, I know how to get back up from this. You know, after you do it a couple of times, like, okay, I know how to get back up from this. Is I know it? what to do now. <laughs> well, well, your experience with that doctor is in quite contrast to what my son's experienced in our lovely, lovely healthcare system where we're with Kaiser and they will not see him unless he's willing to be a hundred percent sober the rest of his life. They will not talk to him. So I, I feel like it's criminal, really. There has to be something they can do Are you kidding for me? him. Like, that's just so no, archaic and black and white. Like, that's, that's no. honestly just saying like, oh, okay, there's a guy who's choking. Um, are you willing to yeah. never eat again? Because if you're not, then we're not going to Heimlich you. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the absolutely. problem. I wrote... I'll link in here a blog post I wrote about diabetes. Like if someone came into the doctor's office with diabetes, would they say, well, can't help you unless you're willing to never eat sugar again? Because, you know, sugar's really bad for diabetes. No, they don't do that. They hand them fucking glucerna, which is full of sugar. <laughs> and, and they just deal with it. They deal with whatever is, whatever is their situation. But in addiction, no, they turn you away. I can't. He's walked out of that office several times because he's like, Sorry, mom. I'm not able to tell them that I don't want to use drugs anymore. And, you know, I applaud my son. He's not going to lie to them. He's he's honest. And he's like, nope, I can't do that right now. I really want to meet your son. Joey sounds amazing because like that's the thing. He is amazing. We deserve all the credit in the world and we don't take it. We don't give it to each other and we don't give it to ourselves. And that, I think that's the underlying message with of substances. It's just like, it's about changing your relationship with struggle and giving yourself credit where you currently show judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. uh, we have, we have a bunch of films that like show stories that when I made them, I was showing stories of relapse and failure. And like, just so that like people struggling with addiction could feel seen and less alone in their like, like when they fall down Mm -hmm. and people who don't struggle with addiction can identify emotionally with the feeling of falling down. And over time, I started to realize that like, this is bullshit. These aren't stories of failure. These are stories of progress, achievement and success. Just because this woman Mm -hmm. or this man relapsed doesn't mean he didn't just do his best and try his damnedest and do better than he's ever done before mm-hmm. to not fall down. That mm-hmm. is tremendous. And he deserves all the credit in the world. And if he saw it that yes. way, if he fell and then instead of saying, oh, no, I'm starting over. Oh, my God, I'm a piece of shit. Oh, my God, I'm a loser. Oh, I'm never going to make it. And instead, it was just like, oh, my God, I fell. Mm-hmm. But man, I did so good this time. Mm-hmm. Let's go again. You know, like, if we do that, then like, that's, that sounds like Joey. Like Mm -hmm. Joey sounds like he's a highly intelligent guy who's just like, look, this isn't about like getting anything perfect and being abstinent. It's just about like improving and growing and changing and. Yeah. And learning and, and, and being open to 
open to new things, being open to what's out there. And yeah, he's, if insight could fix people up, he would be like hundred percent right now. Cause he's but so insightful. He knows exactly why he's using, he knows why he relapses. He understands what's under it all. And he's still just okay. trapped in it. So, but it helps. Uh, we, we, he is so smart and hopefully you will meet him one day and hopefully he'll be back on this pod. I mean, he started it with me and uh, I've been doing it without him with his blessing for, you know, several months, but hopefully he'll be back on and talking to all of these wonderful guests that we bring on and because he does have so much to offer. And so it enables me to be much more empathetic, I think, because he's able to talk about it and I can see he's in there. It's not like he's broken. It's not like he's needs to be fixed or like it's irreparably, you know, he's in there and he's trying and it, it helps me a lot when he's able to talk about it. And I encourage, you know, throughout our podcast to our parents, if their kids are struggling to, to don't go into punishment mode, but go into curiosity mode. Hmm. What are you getting out of that substance? What is it giving you? Like for you, you used it to numb. I bet it worked really well so, for that. Uh, that's, Oh, you're so right. Uh, I, I recognized just a little bit ago that my issue, so COVID happened, right? Did you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I've heard of COVID. I mean, we yeah. were all just shut in and everything was scary. And like, I have a nonprofit that hasn't like made its money yet. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I can't make films. I can't show them. I, and I make stuff about isolation and connection and I have the tool and I can't figure out how to help people. And so it was super depressing for all of us. And it was scary. And mm -hmm. even though I was four years sober of alcohol and cocaine, I was still, I caught myself using Netflix and food the same way I used to use Coke and food. Right. Thing. Yep. And so same exact stuff. It's the same. Right. Process. And so I recognized, okay, so I've been on this journey for eight and a half fucking years and I still haven't actually figured out what it is I'm running away from, what the underlying issue is. And that, that only recently happened in the past two years. And so I started to do a personal deep dive. And I, I started to realize that I have major insecurity issues where whenever I start talking to anybody, anybody, the voice in the back of my head is immediately like, you're not as smart as her. You're not as good looking as her. You're not as successful as her. You're not as well read as her. You're not as like, this or that or the other thing, that's the voice in the back of my head mm -hmm. immediately. And so I started to recognize that like, oh my God, I'm constantly running away because I don't feel like I'm enough. And, and I have to hide the mm -hmm. things that keep me from really showing who I am and what I'm afraid of and what I go through and my real vulnerability. And I started to recognize that mm -hmm. my issue is not about using substances. It is about why I use substances. And at its base level, it's about shame. It's about a fear of not belonging. Mm -hmm. And it's about a fear of not being mm -hmm. good enough. None of which is unique to addiction. All It's all just part of being a person. And so... That's what we do. That's what we talk about. We're all, I don't, it, whether what you, whether you're struggling with something and you're really using either like work to run away or you just like, or not. Right. Right. Like, I mean, we're all doing something. Yeah. People, almost everybody uses something. I mean, how many of us could get rid of our phone for a day without feeling discomfort where everyone can understand that pull to get away from something, get, you know, get 
something that to make you feel better, something to take you away from something uncomfortable. I think everyone can acknowledge that. And to take the stigma away from the people who happen to fall into a very addictive substance that keeps them in that cycle. Um, But I totally agree with you. It is about what's underneath. Why are we grabbing those substances? That's what we need to be um, helping people right. with. Exactly. And, and I think that that's kind of the key to everything. And the point is that mm-hmm. why that underlying shame, isolation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fear of not being good enough, mm-hmm. that being something that we mm-hmm. can all universally relate to, that's the key. That's like we were talking about Brene Brown earlier before we hopped on this. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it's all about practicing vulnerability, being a wholehearted person and being Mm -hmm. courageous. And that Mm -hmm. vulnerability allows you to share the thing that we actually all have in common. We're judging each other on each other's circumstance of like drinking or vomiting or gambling or working or working out instead of just Mm -hmm. like, why are you doing it? What's it making you feel? Well, I'm doing it because it makes me feel like I feel alone and I feel scared and like, I'm like, uh, I'm never going to make it and I'm never going to find my purpose. And like, I'm not going to live up to a legacy that I wish I could live up to. And then you can say like, Oh, I feel that same way about this. And it's just like, Oh, maybe we're not so different. And so something that we do with of substances, we, we help people build the language that helps us really see each other and connect. So it's just like, if you're, you're working with Joey, you're already good at this, you, but you know this. And so like to other parents, it's just like, you go to your kids and it's just like, instead of why can't you stop drinking? Like, it's just like, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel every time you fall off the wagon? What are you feeling that leads you to that? And then they say, I'm feeling like I'm disappointing everybody in my life. And then you can say, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I feel the same way when I do this. This, this is the thing that happens mm-hmm. that makes me feel like I'm disappointing people and makes me feel like I'm going to let everybody down. And then your kid can be like, oh my God, you kind of do get it. You might not get the whole thing that I'm like drinking, yeah. but you get why. And now you've started to build that bridge of connection and understanding by being vulnerable yes. yourself. Yes, 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 yes. I totally agree. and. Tell me uh, more about of substance, your, your program, your company, and you make short films that deal with these topics, right. That kind of help bring these topics to light. Like how short are they? This is so cool. Our, our films are like three to 12 minutes and we're talking many movies that are high quality, romantic comedies, sci-fi, horror, suspense, thrillers. Like that's what we're making. We're turning, we're, Instead of making our entertainment more impactful, we're making impact entertaining is, is really what we're working on. And we're trying to Love turn that. movies into our most powerful tool for healing and growth. Because like movies, like, like all of us know, no matter what, like whether it's the Avengers or it's like Forrest Gump, movies have this magical ability to create an inescapable emotional experience in an instant. And that's how we best learn and how we create the intrinsic motivation to grow. And so, but like to watch a 90 minute movie and then do nothing with it afterward, isn't really allowing it to 
be as impactful as possible. So we make these bite-sized little guys that are like five to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to go at the beginning of class, to go at the beginning of therapy, to go at the beginning of discussions or training or, Mm -hmm. or anything Mm -hmm. so that whatever activity follows, be it school, be it treatment or therapy, be it like uh, HR training, it's more likely to get everywhere, everyone where we want to get to. So that's what we're doing. The first one I watched was your one called Trapped. And it's, it is such a powerful little couple of minutes of my life. It's a woman that's meeting, I think it's her brother or somebody, a friend, uh, after becoming sober. So it's like their first time, you know, meeting again after rehab or whatever. He gets up to leave and she gets up to leave, but cannot, cannot leave the room. Like this big white wall just appears magically and she cannot leave and then at the end she turns around there's the bar and there you go again i mean and how many of us can can understand that and i have been addicted to sugar i was a super bad sugar addict i've been off sugar completely for over 5 years now i um and it's totally changed my life to be out of that cycle of sugar but i totally understood those walls like, yeah, shoot. Yeah. I can't get out. I am stuck. I am just stuck when you're in that cycle of addiction. And I think anyone, no matter what substance or behavior, if you showed that film in any sort of group, everyone would be like, yep. Been there. I feel that. We actually that. use that, that film from like, I mean, the obvious is substances and treatment and everything. We use that film with entrepreneurs to discuss the loneliness of being an entrepreneur and imposter syndrome and everything else. I mean, that's the thing is like we were saying before our films, movies are never about the circumstance they seem to be about, you know, they're not about Forrest making it home and fall and like finding Jenny. It's not about um, the, it's not about the Avengers fighting Thanos, right? That's not what movies are about. That's the circumstance underlyingly. Movies are always about Mm -hmm. our universally relatable human emotions and journeys Mm -hmm. regarding shame, overcoming adversity, trying and trying again. And and like, it's, it's about that, that, that hero's journey that we all experience. Mm -hmm. Our life journey is the hero's journey Mm -hmm. and it, it's just, it's magical. So with trapped, I actually, um, it's a two page script. It was, it's so tiny, but it turned into this really amazing cool film. And I handed it to my mom as a two page script to read the woman I lived with for five years while trying to get sober and falling and falling and falling again. She read it and she turned to me and she said, is this really what it's like for you? I said, yeah, mom, this is what it's like for me. We'd pull the car over and hold each other for the next 25 minutes crying because that was the moment she finally related. You know, she finally related to the feeling of feeling trapped because we all feel like that. And Mm -hmm. so it's not about drinking. Mm -hmm. It's about that underlying feeling. And so that was actually the moment when we moved the conversation beyond why can't you stop drinking? And two, I see you. I love you. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. It changed our world. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If parents, if, you know, a lot of times parents, we look at our kids like um, a problem to be fixed. Okay, here, doctor, here, treatment, here, therapist, fix this problem here. But if if parents could watch your film Trapped 
and go, oh shit, that's what it feels like to be in their brain right now. Oh my God, that's horrible. They're poor, you know, it would give them so much empathy and so much curiosity and open up that door to communicate with their kids instead of just treating them like a, a project. Yeah. To be fixed. And I think that's so, it, yeah. it's so tricky because there's no blame for wanting to just like put a bandaid on it and just keep it like, let's throw money at it. Let's like, what do you, what do you need? Do you need money? And it's just like, I, but the yeah. thing is, we just don't know. We're all just doing our best. And so as parents, as yeah. kids, whoever, we so we are working to make as many films from the loved ones perspective as we are from those struggling mm. because for every one of me nice. there are 5 to 10 of you so really the majority mm -hmm. of people affected by mm -hmm. addiction and mental health are the people who are loving though those of yeah. us really deep in the struggle and so yeah, but that's what true. we have that's a thing it comes back to what we have in common it's just like Loving somebody mm -hmm. who's struggling is as fucking isolating as being the person struggling. It is, it's That's scary true. and you don't know what to do and you feel hopeless and you feel trapped and you feel stuck and you feel like you have mm -hmm. so much shame around being able to admit that you have a son who struggles with addiction, right? Like, and it's just tricky. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. just like, we, my mom, like in that scenario where my mom watches Trapped and then she understands me, then she can show me a sci-fi from her perspective of every time I fall off the wagon, I can be like, oh shit, that was super cool. I never realized how much I was burning down your world. Next thing you know, these are fun, immersive, approachable tools that allow us to expedite the bridge to like truly seeing each other and caring and being there and listening differently. You know, where it's not just like, I'm not going to try to fix you. I'm just going to be here in it with you. I'm going to join yes. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most beautiful gift you can give someone is just to walk beside, just to hold their hand, sit with them, keep them safe if possible, you know, and just in a non-judgmental presence, just be there for them. Man, if we could, if we could do more of that, that'd be awesome. Now tell me. What is your vision? You're the chief vision <laughs> officer or whatever you called yourself. What is your vision for your, so, uh, of substance? What is your big the chief vision picture? officer thing is I was watching a thing. Do you know yeah. who Simon Sinek is? Yeah. So Simon Sinek yeah. had a video on, on social media like a year ago where he's just like, what does the CEO do? Can anybody tell me what the CEO does? Like, you know what the marketing officer does, you know, the like financial officer, but what does the executive officer do? It's such a terrible title, but the executive officer's uh -huh. role is to guide the vision and lead the ship. And he's like, I think a better title for it would be chief vision officer. I'm like, I think you're right. I think that's a great call. So I let's do that. that. Yeah. That's better. Um, so the vision for of substance is, <sighs> Imagine a world where we all feel seen, heard, and loved, and where you walk into every room knowing that you're already enough. That's, that's the world we're working to create, and we're doing so through movies. And so what we're working to do is our vision for of substance. We are a nonprofit, but we have accidentally stumbled upon how we can create very high-value films incredibly affordably. Because what we do is we invite film professionals and people who are not film professionals to share their stories with us and then to join us on set in making these, bring these stories to life 
in just a day of volunteerism. And so that's, okay. that's what we do. Uh, movies, this is no genius idea to use five minute movies and training and everything else, but why hasn't it existed yet? It hasn't existed yet because if a company comes to me as a film company and they're just like, Hey, we want a 10 minute rom-com or a romantic comedy to go to help people with training for sexual harassment. Right. And it's just like, cool. I know what you want. It's going to cost you about 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. And because the abstract nature of storytelling, I can't guarantee that everybody's going to get the same message because it's not teaching and it's not patronizing in tone, which shuts us down when we listen yeah. to it. So we, yeah, yeah. No whiteboards in your films. No, at not all. at all. Like we're, <laughs> if you want to, honestly, I'm of the mind that if you want to tell somebody something or give somebody information, just write it in a memo, you're going to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just write it in a memo, right? But that's not what movies do. So, however, we haven't approached it properly, right? So, so like, it's not a viable product. So like, nobody's going to pay me $100,000 to make my thing. That's not going to guarantee any kind of like very direct outcome. So that's why for half a century, we've been making industrials, training videos, educational videos, the way that we have. Mm -hmm. And they just like, they only do so much, right? We're getting better with technology to deliver them in modules, but it's still the same stuff, mm -hmm. right? It might as well just stand in front of, mm -hmm. sit in front of somebody who's lecturing. And so yeah. what we've accidentally stumbled upon is we had this idea where it was just a small idea. And we were just like, Hey, Brian, my co-founder was like, Imagine there's a channel of these short films as we were talking about, like short films about addiction. I'm like, cool. Okay. And then we came up with rules where every single film had to be as high in quality, entertaining and immersive as they were challenging, authentic and insightful on some perspective of addiction. And then it was just like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this isn't just a collection of films. This is a on-demand, approachable and immersive place where people can go in an instant, get lost in a story in a way that they enjoy and feel seen, heard and loved, feel accepted and understood, feel a sense of empowerment and go back to work because now the craving's gone because now my empowerment and my sense of belonging has taken over and beat out that craving. Uh, and so it's like, oh man, this is a cool idea. Brian's like, we should go do this. Let's go raise money. I'm like, you're a goddamn mind. I am not going to people saying I need hundreds of thousands of dollars for short films about addiction, right? We've seen enough of them. They're like, mm -hmm. we need to show them how this is different. So in eight months, we made our first eight films as a proof of concept by going to cinematographers and people in, in production. I was an executive producer in Philly and saying like, Hey, we don't have any money, but this is where we're going. This is the vision. And this is the impact we mm -hmm. want to make. We want to help people in this mm -hmm. place. And they just be like, yeah, I'm in, I don't want any money. How can I help? Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to be a part of it. My mom struggles, my brother struggles. I struggle. How can I help? So next thing, you know, we made uh, half a million dollars worth of film for $5,000. Wow. Oh my God. So the cinematographer, the actor, the lighting people, the makeup people, all of them are donating their time just for a quick, it only takes a day because it's short. Six, six of our films, usually. we shot two a day. What? It's just very Whoa. scrappy. Okay. So it's not a very big time amount for people in the industry and they can be part of this really awesome uh, movement, movement, this vision yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
do you have any trouble getting enough people, enough volunteers? No. no. Like no. people just want to be a part of it. And, They're happy to help. Um, yeah. And so what we do. I wish I knew cinematography or something. You will. Like You're that. a musician. We're looking for music. We're looking for stories. Oh, yeah. We're looking for scripts. Oh. We're always looking for, we're, and we're always looking to elevate all of our collaborators and contributors. We're like, we still want all of these films to go to Cannes and South by and everywhere else and just be sure. like, Hey, like oh. you like that music? We should introduce you to Beth. Right. Like, and, and it's all about oh. creating a platform to lift everyone up. But the thing about it is like we figured out how to make this very high value product for very little by being a nonprofit and basing everything on offering people instead of a dollar value, offering them a sense of purpose and service and community and connection. And so we're able to do that. And then we have this product. We're building programs around them, curriculums that we're offering into treatment, into education. And we're doing so at market rate. But all of the revenue that those products like bring in go back into a nonprofit to scale the nonprofit, to tell more stories, to make more films, to bring more people together, to start to branch out away from addiction and into bipolar disorder, bullying, into like having a child who's autistic to getting your first period in menopause. Like everything we feel shame around is what we want to mm -hmm. like cover. That's the vision of where we're going. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. that's amazing. I, there's so few people talking in the, like in the regular world about shame. I mean, I'm all of Brene Brown. She talks about shame all the time, but like in regular media, you don't see stuff about shame except for to propagate, right. to make it worse, to make shame worse. Propagate. Promulgate, propagate. Yeah. Propagate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing what you're doing because it, the shame is at the root of just so much, yeah. so much pain. It's just made so much. I feel so much shame. shame every day. I was having a really hard day today. Like I, I actually like, I go for like half the day and I feel like great. And then I crash and I start thinking I'm never going to make it. Everything's too hard. I'm not smart enough. I can't keep working on data migration, which is something I'm dealing with right now. Can't believe I have to have this chat with Beth. I'm in such a like crappy mood. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then like, but all of that comes from more shame. So as much work as I've put into like my own personal journey, and this is my job now is just like shame, shame, shame and overcoming shame. I still experience it every single day around the smallest things. And that's the thing is, that's not, a, that's not bad. And like it, it creates more shame and you start going down this like rabbit hole of like shame, shame, shame. But instead it's just like, oh, okay. I feel shame right now. That's okay. You got nothing to be ashamed of. Like, let's come back. But it'll always kind of sneak yeah. in a little bit. And it's not about not experiencing yeah. it. It's about getting better and better at catching it. Yeah. I'm going, oh, hi, shame. I see you. I'm going to yeah. go this other way. Do you, do you, do you do this? You get ashamed of how ashamed you are oh about what God. the shame yeah. of the shame. Oh, it's, that's actually really helpful. I hadn't really been aware of that in a while. That's uh, I'm actually going to write that down and put that on my window right in front of me. Stop being ashamed of being ashamed. Ah, honestly, it's a, it's a never ending cycle. Thank you. Oh, well, you're doing amazing work on this and you know, 
It's accessible to our teens. It's great for our parents to watch the healthcare professionals you're working with teachers. I mean, it, it just covers so much territory. How can regular old people not in the programs? How can yeah. they watch your films? Beth, you're so good at this, by the way, like so good at this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's really important to us. Honestly, when we started this out, we wanted to build a free Netflix where anybody can go anytime and watch all of our films. We're going to get there. We we needed to make uh, a lot of our films private so that we could build value so that we could like sell it so that we can build the company and support giving things away for free. Uh, uh, right now, yeah, we've yeah. got about 10 films, four of which are free on our site. So please go check them out at ofsubstance.org. Um, but then on top of that, um, we we do we do keynotes and we do workshops. We offer this live experience called um, Movies and Conversations, where I I come in and I facilitate it. Sometimes co-facilitated with a treatment professional or somebody else, and and we come in and honestly, it always starts just very I'm. I'm me all the time. I start everything out with just like, hi, I'm Alex. And I'm what society would consider a fuck up. How's it going? Here's a little bit of my story. Here's what we do it of substance. And now we're just going to watch some movies and then we're going to talk about them and we'll watch Trapped. And then I share about my experience with Trapped very openly and very vulnerably. And we create this very open, comfortable, safe room where we start having conversations with the audience from, from 20 people to 200 people. And because we use these films to catalyze us emotionally and prime us emotionally, we start having conversations and people start talking in ways they would never start talking. And it just creates this, mm -hmm. this yeah. wonderful community and environment where strangers are sharing the most vulnerable things and they feel seen. And next thing you know, the conversations fizzled a little bit. We turn the next movie on and the conversation keeps going. It is fun. It's a, mm -hmm. it's an immersive multimedia experience. And, and so oh, we, awesome. we want to bring that to where I, I, I work, I do conferences and I go to, uh, I do other events for like, we have something coming up in Manhattan for mental health month, but, um, but we want to bring these to your school. You, you know, we want to bring these. Do you do it on Zoom too? We or absolutely do these on Zoom. I've done several on Zoom. Um, and so because it's easy, you know, it's just like, hey, right. We just, yeah. we meet right here yep. and we just chat and we facilitate conversation. And then like, it's just like, okay, everybody, we're just going to watch Trap now. Everybody watches Trapped, And then we come back in and we have a combo. Mm -hmm. It's so great that we've gotten so used to Zoom, but like we can do it virtually or in yeah. person. But really, Sorry. I know that you have like, you're, hopefully a lot of the people listening are parents. Right. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the most important, like that, that's one of the most important communities that we're really trying to get to, because it's just like, mm -hmm. we know how much you're struggling, whether your your yeah. kid is bipolar or, or struggling with substances. Like there's so much shame around everything that is just kind of part of growing up and being a person. And so we want to come in and we want to come to like your, your class of parents or through your PTA and come in for the parents one night and just like have our movies and conversations and have a good time yeah. and see if we can help. Be really valuable. Yeah. And your movies are light. They're not, 
they're they're not instructive. They're light. I I love the tone of your movies. In fact, I think we should Thank watch you, one. Beth. Uh, do you want to introduce it while I get the tech get going here? So Band-Aids is a very simple, straightforward piece. It's not a rom-com and it's not magical realism. It's just a, it's a group. It's a, it's a support group. And this is one of the most remarkable things I ever heard in any room that I was ever in. And I was just like, the world should hear this. And so we found a really cool cinematic and fun way to share my friend's story. And this is, this is, this is Band-Aids. Okay. So if you're just listening on a podcast, uh, it's a, it's a dialogue-y kind of film. And if you're on YouTube, you get to watch it. And we'll put the link in the notes. Here we go. You know what I used to do? I actually, I used to wear band-aids on my fingers, a couple on each hand. Uh, and not the regular kind, you know, the kind your kids wear. Looney Tunes, Disney shit, Dumbo, Tinkerbell. And it's not that I cut myself or anything, I just, I wore them so that any time I'd reach for a drink, they would catch my eye and it would remind me of my little girls. Well, my daughters are not so little anymore. <laughs> God, they used, any time they cut their knee or anything, they used to get so pissed at me if they had to use the, you know, the boring tan band-aids. I started buying the kids' weds in bulk. It was, uh, I guess, a type of training in a way. I had to learn how not to drink. You know, I, I'd see the Band-Aids, I would picture my girls, and I wouldn't take a sip. The Band-Aids, my girls, another day sober. It was classical conditioning, you know, in its simplest form. Except I had to be both Pavlov and the dog. But I had no choice. My girls needed me. They needed me. Two years I wore those Band-Aids every single day. And, I mean, do you know how many freaking Band-Aids that is? Till I finally felt comfortable enough to take them off. That was six and a half years ago. And now every time I see my hands, the band-aids, they're already there. And my girls are there reminding me who I do it for. So yeah, like you said, you know, when you see those ads on the sides of buses or wherever they are that say, you know, imagine your life after addiction, I just, I don't know, I, I just, I realize how they don't get it. There is no life after addiction. It, you guys know, it, it's always there with you. It never goes away. And the way I describe it to my kids, I say it's kind of like Peter Pan's shadow. It's always trying to trick you, to get you to do things that you shouldn't. I mean, sometimes I literally, I still to this day, I have to stop whatever it is I'm doing and just... And that's okay. It's okay to be an addict. I know I'm stronger for it. it forces you to be smarter, to be vigilant, 
persistent, present. And it's something we'll all have to manage every single day for the rest of our lives. And we can. But no, it never goes away. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was so, that was so touching. And if you're just listening on audio, there was a really slow sweep around the circle. I don't know what you call that in film language, but like the camera moved real slowly around the circle to all these different people at different states of togetherness. Nicely said. <laughs> Pulled togetherness. Yeah. And just the, the commonality between all of them and all of them understanding and all of us watching, understanding the struggle and that, that we're all, that we're all humans just doing the best we can. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's a, um, so it's a, it's a single shot for people who, who are just listening. It's a single shot. The camera doesn't cut and the camera's right in the center of a circle and it just spins. And it shows everybody. And so as he's speaking, like you start to see a deeply diverse group of people, like aesthetically diverse, clearly from a lot of different places. But to everything that Beth said, like what we see is as much as we see everything they don't have in common on the outside, we can feel and hear everything they do have in common underneath. And yeah. and it's just a. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm so glad we just watched that. I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It it felt like I wasn't watching a movie. It was like a real support group. Like uh, that actor was amazing. And I don't know who he is, but I feel like he's probably had struggles himself to be able to act. Anthony. Like you don't have to. Anthony's one of my best friends. He was one of my um, groomsmen, actually. We we went to acting school Aww. together, and uh, Anthony has addiction in his world. He hasn't struggled personally, but it's always been a part of his life. And um, mm -hmm. and he helped me write that script. I, I wrote the first, and then we went through mm -hmm. it together. Uh, but his his bit that I mean, he did a lot of really great stuff in that script. But uh, the one that I loved most was when he was saying. Um, what I say to my kids is that it's a lot like Peter Pan's shadow, right? Oh, it's yeah. always there trying to trick you into doing yeah. things that you shouldn't. And, and I yeah. think that that is, that is something that's like universally relatable. We all have that monkey on mm -hmm. our shoulder, right? That monkey mind, the mm -hmm. lizard brain, the asshole brain. That's just like, mm -hmm. go do the thing that's going to keep you from moving forward in the way you want to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and that's the thing about these, right? It's just like finding these ways of communicating how we feel and how we experience the world is, is the key mm -hmm. to listening and like by, by delivering it through entertainment where we're not, yeah. I think that's yeah. the, that's the biggest thing. It's just like, it's so tricky to find those magical ways where people don't feel patronized or talked down to. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause somebody could present a lecture on, what addiction is or, you know, something, you know, they could prevent, provide you the facts, but your films are so emotional. And I can imagine showing this before a support group or before, you know, at an IOP or something to kids or at a, whatever, any sort of a parents group. And just the conversation after I can imagine would be just incredibly rich. Yeah. And, uh, and healing. You know? That's the idea, 
right? I, I totally get your vision. Thank I you. get it. I'm I'm on board. Thank you. I'm totally on board with you. So of of substance.org. That's us. Of substance.org. I'll put that in the notes. Is there anything else you would like to say that I never asked you? Um, Yeah, we, um, so the biggest thing about what we're doing is that like uh, our first films, uh, my co-founder Brian and I made um, as just a proof of concept to get something out, get something moving. We are two straight white dudes from the Northeast of America. We couldn't have a more limited perspective on the world if we tried. And so one of the biggest things about what we're doing is just like, it's not just about having eight films that we use forever. It's more about just like telling more stories and finding more films and having more perspectives and touching on more, more, more views from like, and like the, a lot of the things that we don't have yet are, we know that Youth and teens and adolescents are the most underserved and underrepresented and uh, and at, and most at risk demographic. And we are looking to make as many films as we can, both from the the student whose parent struggles, from the student whose friend just overdosed, from the parent whose 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 child just overdosed, to 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 the parent whose child is doing their best to get to move forward. And so, like, it's mm-hmm. it's really important, and we're looking to use these films to also cover other very complicated and challenging topics such as like grief, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like gender identity and sexual identity and like, mm-hmm. and, and like religious identity and who, who am I and what do I want? And what do I feel shame around? And, and like, what does it feel like to lose somebody you care about uh, whether they mm-hmm. die or they've just kind of disappeared emotionally right and so yeah. we're, we're looking for help we're looking for stories we're looking for partners who might be interested in funding in bringing these to life in in everything and so the biggest thing about what we do is that like it's just as important to continue making more films and telling more stories as it is to use the ones that we already have and so if you're interested in helping be a part of that, we want to hear from you uh, on our website of substance.org. There are several buttons of ways that you can subscribe to our newsletter, reach out, sign up for this, sign up for that, donate to us in general. Um, you can you can be an executive producer and an impact producer and, and be maybe a bigger giver to like really to make a film. Band-Aids could be brought to you by the Syveson family. Right. Like, and it can be, um, or, or, uh, I'm so sorry. I lost my train of thought or, um, nope. I lost that train of thought. However, we do have a film coming up right now. That is our first soiree outside of directly touching on substances. It's called hide your crazy. It is a horror romantic comedy. It's a monster film. It's a two time award-winning script that has gotten the attention and now has got a crew of award-winning prosthetics and makeup people who have worked on Star Trek discovery and are like on other upcoming things that you have heard of, um, special, uh visual effects teams that worked on everything from judge dread to lord of the rings and they're coming on to work on this because they believe in the message it's about a young woman who is surprised by her boyfriend at home and she uh, is really upset that he's there because 
it's a full moon. And when it's a full moon, she literally turns into a monster. And she has always tried to hide this from him. And it's a beautifully well-written script by Austin Case. Uh, and it's funny and it's grounding. And even though it's supernatural and it's silly, it's really good. And it's all about her shame around the monster and that ugly thing that she keeps inside, quote unquote, thinking that if she admits it to somebody, she won't be loved and accepted. And so we're. And it could be anything, right? That monster inside of us. It could be sexual abuse. It could be an addiction that you're hiding, bulimia or something, or it could mental illness. Whatever. Right? It, it's the monster it stands in for whatever it is you're hiding from the exactly. world and from yourself. Exactly. So we've got that coming up. We are shooting, um, we're aligning with, uh, MTV's Mental Health Action Day. They've been a really great support. They're gonna, they're helping us promote and push it out. MTV. I can't believe I'm saying that. That's super cool. And um, I know it's so crazy. So we are shooting May 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Uh, and we we're still looking for just people to tell other people. We're looking for people to advocate, spread awareness, follow us on social media, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to share with you all of our things to share with your community and let them know because it's all about helping people remember that they're not alone. They're not crazy and others get it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So important. Well, we'll put that MTV event uh, link in the notes. Uh, so check that out. Uh, is it going to be something that people, if they are hearing this after the fact, will they be able to watch it? It's going to take like, like two a... months, hopefully no more to actually finish the film oh. after that. So we're hoping to just like, our, our goal is just get this done and out there by the end of summer. So that'll be out there then, but it's also just like, there's so much more. We'll be in post-production. We might still be raising some money that we need for post-production. If you're interested in being a part and joining our family by, by giving, that is a huge way to support us and be part of our impact and part of our work. You get to attach your legacy to the impact that we make together. And that's, that's just so special. And we'd love for you to be part of that. Yeah, the more the merrier. Hop on, on board. board. Help, help of substance make uh, make the world a better place. Well, Alex, you are doing just incredible work on those core issues that are behind so many things that are painful to everyone. And I know that your movies and you're just being open and vulnerable and being bringing yourself to the world is a huge gift. So thank you for being here on Safe Home. Thank you, Beth. And I mean, that is right back at you. Like I said, to start, like you and Joey really coming together and doing this so courageously and so vulnerably is as inspirational and as admirable as anything I can think of. So thank Aww. you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. We're both doing the same work, right? We're both tackling the same issue. Yeah. It takes all of us doing what we do differently mm -hmm. together to really make this machine yeah. of change effective. Yeah. So like I'm in yeah. it with you always. Yeah. And I believe art saves lives and your project is definitely art and uh, art saves lives. It can communicate what regular old words can never do. So go check it out. Go check out all the films and figure out a way to, to help of, of substance. And while you're in the helping mood, uh, spread the word about Safe Home Podcasts. Share this episode or any of our episodes that have helped you and your family. Share them with other families that could use this kind of information and this kind of affirming, acknowledging um, help and healing. 
And I do have a mailing list. If you'd like to sign up for that, the link is in the notes. And we also have a Patreon account if you would like to support our uh, podcast so we can maintain a commercial free podcast and help support some of the other projects we're doing. You can join Patreon just for a couple bucks a month and then you get a few free goodies as well. You're kind of like in the inner circle when you do when you join us on Patreon. So thank you so much, Alex. And thank you for listening, everyone. Alex and I really, really want you to stay Stay safe. safe.